This is a podcast by The Straits Times. This is Asian Insider, and I'm Nirmal Ghosh. Now, around the world, the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic has been a hard one for schools, in particular, to deal with. Hundreds of millions of school children have had to switch to online learning. This may not be that much of a challenge for a young teenager in New York or Singapore with access to broadband internet, but it is a very real challenge and handicap for many millions out there who do not have that kind of access for a number of reasons, including, of course, affordability. And then there is also the question of how effective online learning really is. Now, some of my Asia-based colleagues at The Straits Times have been looking into this, and I'm joined today by two of them, Raul Dansel in Manila, in the Philippines, and Rohini Mohan in Bangalore, in India. Raul, Rohini, thank you very much for joining us. And Raul, may I start with you? Tell me what you have found after one year of this pandemic upending normal schooling. What is the situation in the Philippines? Our schools here have been shut since uh, March last year. So about 24 million students have been cooped up inside their homes since then. The government tried uh, a blend of uh, online and remote learning. And by most standards, uh, it has been an an utter failure. Uh, I mean, the schools tried, everybody tried, but uh, our internet connection is just too shoddy that it really didn't work. You know, most students uh, tried to get by by picking up these uh, printed lessons. They picked up these uh, modules from their schools and then they were left alone to answer the questions uh, do the exercises uh, and all that, you know. Mostly, you know, their parents couldn't help them because their parents are hard up themselves because of the quarantine restrictions. Many of them are just trying to hold on to their jobs. Some children who had uh, mobile access, they tried contacting their teachers. The connection is so shoddy that they they communicated mostly via Facebook Messenger. I mean, just imagine teaching a, a student uh, how to weld using Facebook Messenger, uh, like using text and emojis, or teaching a student how to repair a computer without a computer in front of him. Just words, just text. So that's been, that has been the situation right now. You know, even students who have good internet access, uh, it's, it, they, they often would get disconnected and all that. And uh, it just didn't work. But then we saw only 2 million students who dropped out. Things are so difficult for them. Just let them meet the bare minimum requirement and just give them a passing grade. So overall, I would say it's been a lost year for millions of students here. And we're looking at another uh, lost year because President Duterte is really not keen on allowing in-person classes. So that's how it is right now here. I see. A lost year. Rather grim situation, yes. Rohini, you are in what is generally seen as India's IT capital, Bangalore. But there is also this wide gap between the average middle-class student in Bangalore and a student in, say, a small town or village miles away in the countryside. What have you found? I actually visited uh, some of these rural areas just to see the gap. And I found that uh, 
while we were traveling through the uh, you know this is a hilly forested region called dakshina kannada in the state that i'm in karnataka it's about 700 kilometers from bangalore and i found actually children sitting on the roadside uh, in groups looking into a smartphone they would be near shops they would be at bus stops or uh, temple courtyards just trying to find internet connectivity uh they had this uh there, there were dead zones and there were zones where you can get three bars you know the when people would look at their phones uh and see how many bars how strong the internet connectivity is people spent children were spending hours a day look, walking around looking for a strong connection and uh now is uh, a time of heavy rains and this means that power lines were snapped in most places and already poor internet connectivity areas internet was just a dream Uh, so this was how children have been managing in the last one year and many parents and children told me that they would walk kilometers uh, to find a spot where there was some in- internet connection some villages tried to set up wifi hotspots and this is in south india where uh, more of the parents might have been at least school educated if not college Uh, and uh, in the rest of india actually there are so there is about 1.5 million schools and actually 10 times the number of students who are enrolled in school compared to uh, philippines 240 million students who have been out of school and uh, who have had to find some way or the other to attend online classes which are also only available in some districts in some schools uh, an indian government survey found that uh, in 2020 just as we entered the pandemic in march 2020 uh, actually only 28% of schools even had internet connectivity and only 38% of schools had even computers so even the schools had to manage and learn the, and train teachers to set up uh, an online class scenario they had to learn to speak to a computer uh, they had to learn to uh, teach lower classes to find ways to meet with them at least once a week this was done in some states Uh, to do in person classes with small groups of students so that they would stay in in their routine uh, but many of them uh, actually have dropped out many have otherwise uh, due to the economic situation of their parents also dropped out of private schools and there has been an actually an increase in enrollment in government schools and most government schools don't offer this online learning so between the struggle to find uh, an internet Uh, to find internet connectivity uh, to understand online classes and to even stay in school this has actually been a very difficult year for uh, school education now rahul mentioned that uh, the students were just passed in some cases regardless of their performance because of all these challenges rohini you also mentioned earlier when we were chatting about learning outcomes what did you what have you found in india on that uh, front so learning outcomes have been across the board there's been no government overall study in india to uh, still assess that learning outcome uh, but most of the efforts in the government programs have been to prevent dropouts because there have been lots of reports uh, from child rights commissions and uh, child advocacy groups that more children have joined uh, child labor uh, have started working because they have time on their hands and also because their families are in dire straits as the economy tanks uh, this has been a great worry for uh, many states many school departments uh, the other is that uh, like in philippines here also students were just passed from uh, based on their exa- uh, based on just some tests sometimes and no tests at all 
uh, I was actually in somebody's house uh, when an 11th grade student, uh, 12th grade student was actually checking his results. And uh, he came out laughing that uh, he had passed with just five marks short of the maximum. And uh, this was because it was assessed on his previous year's marks, which were uh, previous year's exam marks. And he said that uh, he doesn't even remember the subjects that were there in the, in his class in the last one year, but he's passed on to, you know, now uh, next year. So this is the state. Uh, and um, there have been no studies, really, but there has been an understanding that especially schools, uh, especially school students going in lower classes up to the primary classes have suffered more because their fundamentals uh, are barely there. There was a parent I met, she said that her daughter who was in the second grade, I mean, it's only class two, uh, but had forgotten the days of the week. Uh, they also are uh, kind of not learning the, if they went to English medium schools, they are unable to speak in English because at home they speak in their mother tongue. So that's another thing that parents are very worried about, that children are forgetting uh, the things that they st had started to pick up. Very sad situation, especially for younger children. Raul, tell me more about the Philippines on that front. You you were talking uh, you were talking about uh, the kids being passed regardless. Do you think we are going to see ramifications? Is there a, an increase in child labor? Is there going to be a decrease in you know cognitive function of you know the kids coming out of school and so forth? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, oh, def definitely Nirmal. No, uh, let me just add to the story of uh, Rohini. No. Like we have cases here where the where the students got their modules on on the first week of uh, the school year, and then the next time the teacher saw the module was on the last week of the school year. So uh, throughout the year, the teacher wasn't even able to see the student and and monitor how he was doing. No, but then you know the modules are so easy to to finish. You know the answers for the multiple choice questions are already on the modules themselves. The, the only thing that the students really had to work on were the essays and, and all these other practical stuff. Anyway, uh, so that's basically uh, how to illustrate the uh, quality of education that the students here got last year. Uh, what is worrying really is that uh, even before the pandemic, Filipino students were, really were already way behind in... Uh, uh, compared to other students in other nations in terms of academic proficiencies, you know. There was a World Bank study here uh, released just recently that said our grade five students here have the uh, uh, mathematics and science uh, proficiencies of grade two students, you know. So that's how, uh, I mean, that's the state of learning right now in the Philippines. And uh, and, and so you can imagine how that will affect their future, no? their employability, their uh, ability to compete uh, with, uh, with uh, workers in other nations. The Philippines used to be, a, the Philippines is a big exporter of uh, labor, you know, because, you know, uh, we, are, we used to be very proficient in English and in other technical skills. So you have a lot of Filipinos working in ships nurses uh, we have filipino nurses everywhere uh but uh with what is happening now i think there will be a big gap with the quality of uh skilled labor that we are exporting and ultimately that will affect our uh, economy because the philippine economy is heavily dependent on remittances from filipinos working abroad so yeah this pandemic is 
putting us so so far behind everyone else and it's really worrying no? uh, you know educators and activists here are really pushing mr duterte to let in-person classes even limited in-person classes especially for technical uh subjects for schools providing technical skills to you know to i mean to consider in-person classes because that is the only way they said that uh, we can you know at least uh uh, compensate for the losses we've seen over the past year. So, what is the decision on that? Are they are, are they are they going to return to in-person no, classes anytime anytime soon? No, Mr. Duterte is firm. He said uh, he will only allow in-person classes if about fifty percent of the population is fully vaccinated. That's not going to happen anytime soon. The the soonest we can get to that is probably uh late 2022 or mid 2023 so any talk of uh reopening classes will have to be will have to happen uh by then but then we have these elections next year so mr duterte won't be around anymore and maybe things uh, the, a, a new president will uh will reconsider uh allowing some schools to uh, allow in-person classes Rohini, over to you. Back on the same subject, um, what uh, what is the situation over there? Is are these schools a state subject? Is, is it up to the state government? And is there any um, indication that that they are gearing up and trying to bring in-person classes back this this coming the rest for the rest of the year? Every government. Uh... I mean, every politician or government servant that's asked this question about when schools will open changes the subject to vaccination for children because uh, this is, I mean, I, this is a worry. Uh, parents are also worried that there would be uh, a massive resurgence in infections if children are allowed to go to school because they are considered to be very strong carriers of the virus, if not, uh, if even if they are not greatly affected. In some states, when for a few few months just after the just before the second wave, when schools uh, some classes of the you know higher grades uh, reopened with smaller numbers. There were uh, used to conduct exams. There were actually some spurts of infection uh, and transmission of the coronavirus, and immediately the schools closed. So that experiment is never going to be repeated. In most states, uh, governments have very clearly said that they will not reopen schools. They have reopened colleges in some places, and uh, it's the responsibility of the student uh, and the family decide whether they want to send them, but schools will remain shut for a long time and it looks like a lot of it opening depends on when children can access the vaccine. Rohini Mohan, Raul Dansel, thank you very much for coming on Asian Insider. So truly and very unfortunately a lost year for hundreds of millions of school children around the world. Yet another consequence of the pandemic with as yet unknown ramifications down the road. For Asian Insider, I'm Nirmal Ghosh. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.